right, everybody, it's Friday, so you know what that means. We are ranting and we're braving. Eric, how are you feeling, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually not hating being up this early. This is a new change for this podcast, at least. How you that doing no today? no one will ever know. I'm all right. <laughs> it's another rainy day in Georgia. It's another rainy Friday. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's spring, so we can hate the rain mm-hmm. or we can love it for chasing away the pollen. You know, it's just a it's kind of a lose lose. Uh, but we got a lot to get into today and I'm very I excited. Know. And speaking of rainy days, it's a rainy day in New York. Man, they just don't know how to. I mean, I guess they didn't do anything. I just I don't even know what to say. It sucks to be a Mets fan today. That's for sure. It's like um, even when you win, you still lose. Yeah, I mean, I think it's rough because Edwin ja- or Edwin Edwin Jackson. Man, that's a flashback. Um, Edwin Diaz is a really good player, and as much as I enjoy disliking and making fun of him and his song and the Mets. I enjoy him as a player. Like if he didn't, if he played for generic baseball team, he'd be one of my favorite players just because he's really good. But him being out for the whole year because of a celebration injury just feels very Mets. And that's just too funny. So the Mets um, proving they are exactly who we thought they were once again. Exactly. I mean, it's like it's one of those things where, oh, you're signing up to be a Met. Like that just means that you're going to be overpaid and injured for most of your time. And that's I mean, eh, it is what it is. Um, High risk, high reward. Yeah. Did you see the Brandon Nimmo comments where he was like, well, I just want to be here to play for a World Series. And he's like talking crap on the World Baseball Classic. And I mean, he's kind of right because like his teammate just got hurt playing in a not regular season game. But at the same time, it's like, dude, half your team is over there. Like, maybe you chill. Brandon Nimmo is also the guy that runs out of the batter's box (laughs) and sprints to first base at ball four. Yeah, he's he's a he's a dork. I I mean, I'm glad that I'm not his teammate because I'd probably not be his friend. He's just kind of an annoying dude. He sounds like an awful teammate. (laughs) He's that kid in class that's like sucking up to the teacher and everyone's like, shut up, dude. Like, can you stop? That's brand new. Yeah, and he runs up to the desk to turn in his assignments. (laughs) He's always got his hand up in the air because he's going to answer. That's What a mess. Brandon Nimmo is the Hermione Granger of MLB. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good reference. It is. Oh, but yeah. It so the Mets are doing Mets things. Mets doing Mets things. Um, but we got a lot to talk about. Um, diving in, I think kind of the first thing I want to hit on is Eric. Ian Anderson got optioned. Yeah, that's not. I mean. Among things that we would expect for this season, that was low on my list. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like he was tearing the cover off the ball and pitching his brains out. He wasn't doing what we wanted him to do. But I definitely didn't expect him to get demoted like this. I mean, probably good for him, but 
still like, oh shoot, like that's not good. Yeah, no, this is this is borderline worst case scenario. I never would have expected he would get optioned this early. I would have thought, okay, end of spring training, battle is fierce. Who's going to take the fifth, potentially mm. sixth spot? Okay, these guys are just outplaying him. Let's um, send him to Gwinnett and let him work on his off-speed pitches, develop a third pitch. But man, we've mm. still got we've got two weeks of spring yeah. training left. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway is they didn't pull the plug like end of spring training. They pulled it early in spring training. This is like when guys are like starting to get some real innings and they said, nope, you're done. We're not. We're done with this experience. And I mean, I guess it's kind of got to mess with his confidence, but hopefully he's got enough people in his corner that are like, hey, you're going to be OK. You can figure this out like because that sucks. Yeah, this is this is not good <laughs> for a guy that was a major player in a World Series win. To I mean, you, you know what this smells like? Hmm. Sean, no, don't give me this Sean Newcomb stuff. Sean Newcomb. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I think the best thing we have for us is this tells us one thing about the Braves is they're not playing around this year. Like they can't be satisfied with being bounced by the Phillies and having to fight tooth and nail with the Mets all season. And so they are not going to give anyone a two month head start. They're just going to start out dominating from the start. And I think that's a really good thing because they looked at Ian Anderson and Bryce Elder, who were probably the one and two favorites for the fifth starter spot and said, Nope, we're not playing this game. Let's start. Let's give the two guys that have been pitching the best, the best opportunity to do it. And we'll figure it out from there. And I think if we were going to put, um, I mean, if we we're going to bank on one versus the other, I'd say it's a pretty clean split with also just as much an opportunity for someone to get picked up off the waiver wire, just because there are going to be guys that are going to get either optioned or released or whatever. And if they, the Braves see something in them, I would not be surprised if, somebody else gets a chance because nobody has run away with this job to make it clear. And the two guys who you wanted to run away with it have done exactly the opposite. I would, I would agree. Um, And before we start ringing the alarm bells and I joke about this being worst case scenario, Ian Anderson Mm. is still an incredibly young pitcher. Yeah. I was reading something that he's, around the same age as Kyle Wright when he sat or spent the whole year in AAA and Kyle Wright's been awesome ever since he came back. So there's definitely something to taking your time with a pitcher and not throwing them away. Um, But it's not a good, I mean, nobody wants to start out this way. No, not, not a good look. If your last name is Anderson and your first name is Ian. Yeah. Um, but hey, you know what? Um, it opens up some very intriguing conversation and a very intriguing position battle. I think at this point, it's really stuck between uh, Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd. So mm-hmm. um, based on what you've seen and kind of what you're thinking, who uh, who's going to win that job? So I, oh gosh, I, my honest opinion is I think Dylan Dodd wins that job. I think Dylan Dodd has been consistent 
through since the start of spring training and has probably emerged as the number one option. But if I were going to handicap it, I'm going to lean towards Schuster getting more of those opportunities just because he's a little further along and he has the prospect pedigree. I think that he will get a longer look than Dodd will just because they invested a first round pick in Dodd. I mean, in Schuster. And I think they're going to want to give him the first opportunity. He's a college pitcher. This is kind of when he should be hitting this spot. Bryce Elder, Strider, and Schuster were all in the same draft. And you got two of those three guys already getting real big league time. Whereas Dodd is a year behind and not necessarily expected to be here till maybe a year. So I think both of them are legitimate options, but I would lean Schuster getting the bulk of those starts. But I'm perfectly prepared to be wrong because both of them have been awesome and I'm fine with either one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. I think the next two weeks are going to be super telling. Um, and I think with World Baseball Classic happening, they're going to have more opportunities to pitch um, mm-hmm. against maybe not real professional level competition, but they're going to have more opportunities to get, at least get more reps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing is clear. I think because of the way that this has played out, I think ultimately the Braves want another lefty on the mound mm-hmm. every five or six days. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. Has Allard been optioned yet? Oh, so Allard, he, I just looked this up because I hadn't seen him either. He tore or he had a, an oblique injury. So oh, he, so he's out. Yeah, he looked really good, but he's out. He will begin the year on the injured list, which probably works out in their favor because in theory, you could keep both of them um, as opening day starters and you can probably, like, you'll have time between the two of them. But yeah, Allard's going to start on the in AAA. Da, I mean, Anderson will start in, tri- or in AAA, and the other guy whose name I'm forgetting right now, Elder, he'll start in AAA. So you've already kind of narrowed, trimmed what's out there. I think this improves Jesse Chavez's chance of cracking the bullpen simply because he's an able body and he's done it before, and they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, nobody really in the bullpen has like run away with it. Dylan Lee still looks really good. And I think the only thing that's working against him is that he's young, but I could see him still getting a legitimate chance. Kirby Yates hasn't done anything that I've noticed that says, oh yeah, we got to keep that guy. But I think they've just put too much money into him to pull the plug. So I think he'll end up cracking the bullpen. Yeah. I think Yates will wind up being a middle, middle inning reliever. Um, which is which is fine. Yeah, um, I, th- I see him kind of in the Luke Jackson role. Like, hey, we need a right-handed arm that's not the closer. Bring in Kirby Yates. Right. Right. I yes. agree. Um, yeah. That. I mean, we'll see. The bullpen is always it's always tricky because spring training you want to use those innings to stretch out your your starters, figure mm-hmm. out who's gonna who's gonna go five six man rotation type thing, and then right. and then kind of fill it in with your bullpen guys and it gets, it gets weird. Um, yeah. So I'm not putting a ton of stock in any of the bullpen stats. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, now. not to mention like you can't really bank on 
that the bullpen guys are going to be at their peak performance because they're warming up too. Like they may not need to throw seven or eight innings, but you still want them to hit those high end velocities. But if you haven't thrown all winter and you're just now trying to hit hundred, hit a hundred, like it's not realistic. So like Joe Jimenez and some of those hard, hard throwing pitches, like I don't expect you to be top shelf performance until April. And even then, like if you're I'll give you a month to like really start hitting your stride. Um, do you remember the year that Luke Jackson pitched an opening day and got rocked by the Phillies and I then do. would go on to be our closer for most of that year? I do remember that year. Yeah, like I remember thinking, like, oh gosh, Luke Jackson, he's gonna be terrible. And he ended up like kind of establishing himself as a guy that year. It was it was the year that Braves read it trademarked the Luke Jackson is the best pitcher in baseball and it isn't particularly close acronym. <laughs> um that was a good year. It was a fun year. Yeah. That was um, a fun year. But yeah, I mean and and I mean with two weeks left, mm-hmm. right? Um what are the chances that it I mean we haven't had any real crazy injuries, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But Kyle Wright starting on the injured mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. It looks like Allard is now starting on the injured list. Mm-hmm. Soroka will be getting on the injured list. Mm-hmm. Um, so really right now, our top three guys are Freed, mm-hmm. Strider, mm-hmm. Orton. Mm-hmm. So who takes yeah. the other two spots? <laughs> Dodd and Schuster. I, you know, I, I would not be surprised. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know who else. Yeah, we don't really have a guy. I mean, I think if so, I was reading that Kyle Wright and Mike Soroka, Michael Soroka, whatever, still makes me mad. Michael, um, um, I think both of those guys get into spring training action in the next week, and we'll get a feel for kind of where they're at. Um, I could see both of those guys still getting enough of a shot that they crack the rotation, even though there's a known, like they're not ready yet, but they're quality enough that we're going to still use them and we'll let them warm up during the regular season. Like, I think you give them the opportunity to start, like, especially Kyle Wright, just because he established himself last year. If he can give you three to five innings at the start of the regular season, like I'll get, I'll take that. That's fine. Like, I don't need you to go nine Um, and you can kind of ease him in. And then Soroka, I would feel much more confident that they ease him in just because they're going to be as delicate as possible with him. Um, I could see him probably starting on the injured list as well, just so that they give him an extra ramp up. And I could see him pushing for the rotation end of April. So theoretical question here. Yeah. Eric Marcus. If you are... World Series manager winning Brian Snicker. Mm-hmm. World Series winning manager Brian Snicker. Yeah. Are you using April as a pseudo continued competition in the four or five spot with Schuster and Dodd in anticipation of either or both Wright and Soroka being on the injured list and or coming back? 100%. I think that you start the year with both of them in the rotation. 
partially because if you have an extra day off, there always seems to be like a week one day off on like a Saturday that doesn't need to be there or on a Friday that doesn't need to be there that gives you the flexibility of, okay, we don't actually need, need a fifth starter till like mid middle of the second week of the season. Um, so I think both of those guys get a, get a start in the first week and that continues, that kind of pushes the timeline for Wright and Soroka you bring in or you bring in right first, and if he continues to look right, you can do- drop whoever you feel like has given you what you need. And then if Soroka proves that he's ready to go, then you drop the other one, and you let both of them continue to develop in AAA, which is perfectly fine. That's where they should be at this point in their careers. And if they dominate in AAA, then you're like, sweet, we got two guys in AAA that are ready to rock. And by the end of the season. They're going to be rookie of the year candidates and Braves people are going to be like, yeah, I told you we knew that. And all of the rest of MLB that's crapped on the Braves farm system is going to be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that the Braves actually had more guys in their farm system that are good. And we're all going to look like geniuses because that's who we are. Bold takes. Sizzling hot, sizzling hot takes. Um, Speaking of hot takes. Mm-hmm. I've been riding this train and I want to pivot the conversation to another surprising positional battle uh-huh. at shortstop. <laughs> the shortstop has the shortstop position has become a battle, Eric. Yeah, it is. I, it is a battle between Vaughn Grissom and dark horse riser Braden Shoemake. Yeah, I will admit that I was not right. I was wrong on this one um, because I thought eh, Brandon or Braden. I keep wanting home Brandon. Braden Shoemaker, I thought he was, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that he's given them a chance, but I did not expect him to hit. And he's hitting, like he's around 300 and he's getting on base and he's his defense looks awesome. I did not expect this from him. And I think that at this point he has a legitimate chance at a starting role. And I think that's really good for the Braves because – now you got two options of guys that you can start at the major league level and the other one can hang out in AAA and continue their development. And I think you the hope is that one of them is Austin Riley um, from a few years ago where even if he doesn't win the competition, he goes to AAA, he tears the cover off the ball, and midway through the season you're like what are we doing this guy has been dominating since he got to triple a and since the beginning of spring and he belongs in the major leagues and they'll get him a chance i still don't think that both of them will start on the major league opening day roster but i think that both of them have equal chances at the starting role this this to me is again in my opinion this is best case stars are aligning Everything is working out the way it needed to for the Braves for one simple interconnected transitive property reason. Mm-hmm. If Braden Shoemake can become your legitimate defensive and decent with the bat everyday shortstop, that means Von Grissom is either a trade piece or eventually becomes your everyday left fielder. Yeah, I could see that. In my opinion. And I I, go ahead. Okay. I was like, 
I could see, I think that the this development allows, and this is part of why I think Shoemake is probably now, maybe, um, the opening day, like, who you, the favorite, just because the Braves can say, okay, Vaughn, you've done great. You're continuing to hit. We're going to move you to AAA, and we want you to get as many reps in the outfield and at second base and at third, and you're going to be our Omar Infante because that's going to be the role that you're going to use. And then you tell Brian Snicker, hey, this kid is young. He needs regular bats. If he's coming up to the big leagues, you've got to play him. You can't just let him rot on the bench because we have too much invested in this kid to just let him rot on the bench like Johan Camargo. Yeah, man, we did Johan so dirty. I, uh, it was that was rough. Doesn't help that he got fat when he wasn't playing, but, um, <laughs> I mean, You're he came wrong. back that I second year and it was like, bro, you were supposed still. to be a shortstop. You were not a shortstop anymore. No, but if if he had been the super utility guy that played every day while giving everybody in the infield a day off, I think he would have not lost his motivation. But here we are. <laughs> um, no, I think I think in this scenario, you send you can theoretically again. I'm not Alex Anthopoulos. I haven't built a World Series winning roster. That being said, I don't know. Man, I've seen you, some of your MLB the Show teams. You're you you might be able to submit your resume too. I, you know, I, I try, I really try. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm sending Vaughn down to AAA and saying, listen, you're getting reps at left field. I don't care how long it takes uh, to get into the groove to develop. He's the, he's got the kind of bat that you don't want sitting on the bench. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we're looking, I mean, again, it's spring training, but if we're looking at the 2024 Braves and we have, a roster of Acuna, Harris, Riley, Olsen, Albies, uh, Shoemaking, Bristol, hitting, and then Darno and Murphy, and whoever else is coming into DH once Ozuna gets shipped off and or DFA'd potentially. Although, well, we don't even we'll we'll save that for later. I want to give it another week before I dive into that into <laughs> that pit. Um, but there's 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 theoretically there is no safe space in that lineup. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if Shoemake is hitting 280 to 300, I don't care if he's hitting for power, if he's getting on base, if he's swiping bags, which he's proven he can do, and he's mm-hmm. doing that ahead of a guy like Acuna and or Harris who are mm-hmm. also swiping bags. Um, when you talk about speed power combo, this team is outrageous. Mm-hmm. I mean, just they can they can killing you softly in so many ways just um so i mean that's exciting to me and then vaughn's the kind of guy you can play every day so you can worry about your bench depth and say who is who's our fourth outfielder that's going to come in Uh, i mean Mm -hmm. okay defensive sub if vaughn's not quite there but they're enough to play seven Mm -hmm. eight innings um a game you know and then mm-hmm. you get your, your utility guy, you know, to give your mm-hmm. guys, but you can, you can begin working those, those depth pieces. That's exciting mm-hmm. to me. Um, mm-hmm. But we will see if, if shoe make tanks, mm-hmm. then we're going to be right back to square one saying, well, I, I hope we're ready for average at best defense at a premium defensive position. 
mm-hmm. um, and hoping that his bat can make up for that. Um, otherwise, I am living for this Braden Shoemake rise. So, mm-hmm. so what are real? Well, so what are realistic expectations for Shoemake? What do we what do we expect? Um, my, I mean, honestly, my expectation is if he can give you an OPS of. 650 okay at the bottom of the order and be able to to steal a bag or two here and there um mm-hmm. while giving you your 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 instead of your ceiling being average defense your floor mm-hmm. is average defense but realistically you're looking at you know above average defense mm-hmm. and an important defensive position i think that's fine mm-hmm. i don't need him to be a gold glover but i need him to give me Maybe a little bit more than Vaughn might be capable of giving us at the position, but that's fine. That's yeah, but that's fine. That's so fair. I mean, bottom of the order guy. I just want him to get on and set the table for Acuna mm-hmm. and Harris and Riley and Olson. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine we're kind of probably looking at and ex- expecting kind of your classic shortstop, like defense, and I don't really care about the bat. Just don't be a black hole, right? I, Whereas, well, I, also, I don't need him to be Omar Vizquel either. You know, yeah. he doesn't have to play lights out gold glove defense to, mm-hmm. to be valuable. But if he can play even, you know, Alex above Gonzalez. average defense consistently and be enough of a of a of a base running threat mm-hmm. that when he gets on, all they can really realistically do is pump fastballs to Acuna and Harris. Mm hmm. Other teams are in trouble, especially if you're playing the Mets and it's in the ninth inning because they ain't got a closer. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Poor Mets, guys. No, not poor Mets. I'm sorry. You spend $400 million a year on your payroll. You deserve every bit. <laughs> oh, man. And when you dance around and you're like, oh, we're the best. We have a song. And then that all comes crashing down. You're like, you know, it's gosh, this is the thing with the Mets. Like they have flop written all over their team. They've got a a closer on. I I was looking at his contract because after he got hurt, I'm like, oh, man, this isn't good. I wonder what his contract looks like. He's making like 20 million this year, 20 million next year, 20 million the year after. And it's like 18. It's not quite 20, but it's a lot for three years. Then he could opt out, and then he gets a little pay bump. But regardless, he's got deferred money for, like, 10 years after that. Like, what are we doing here? Like, you're just going to give this guy, like, I don't know. Like, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I guess if you can keep the guy in the lineup or, like, keep him on your team by giving him deferred money, that's cool. But... I don't know. It's just so much. And they did the same thing with everybody else. Like, what do you honestly expect from Verlander and Scherzer? Um, I expect Verlander to absolutely crater because I think the only reason he was any good is there's some of that pitching voodoo in Houston that, you know, maybe it's their pitching coach, their system, their analytics, whatever it is. Um, they're trash cans. They're trash cans. I I I think Verlander craters. Um, Scherzer's getting up there, man. I you know mm-hmm. it, at some point he's gonna fall off the cliff. I know. Mm-hmm. Foot NFL football. Everybody was like, "Is this the year Tom Brady falls off the cliff? Is this the year that Max Scherzer falls off the cliff?" It very well could be. 
Um, mm-hmm. He has not had the stamina to make deep runs into the season for the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. even if you're there and it's competitive, you can't depend on that guy to give you much toward the end mm-hmm. of the season. If you in the postseason, if you make it. So, uh, you know, I think as much as Steve Cohen has got the fan base excited about, oh, we're going to spend all this money. Um, you're spending money on on antiques. He's mm-hmm. he's he is an antique shopper. Mm-hmm. And. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, it's you definitely look at this and you're like, this is a glass house right here. Like, it looks pretty. And an opening day, and you can look at it on paper and say, wow, that team looks really good. But then baseball happens. Like, I've seen this with so many teams. They go out. Do you remember the year that the Padres traded everybody? And you looked at the roster like, oh, this team is for sure going to be a World Series contender. And then guys like Justin Upton and Craig Kimbrell and guys like that couldn't keep up with what they were expected, and they crumbled. And then a year later, the Padres were having to rebuild the whole team. You see the Angels do it every year. They go win the offseason, except they don't get a pitcher. And then you're like, oh, yeah, the Angels are going to be great. And then they crater because injuries happen, and you can't do it. Like, a huge part of being good in baseball is being able to develop your own talent and let guys fill in the gaps because that's baseball. Like, baseball is not, like – it's too long of a season to just expect that nobody's going to get hurt. Your pitching staff's going to get hurt. They've already lost. What's his Quintana is out for a while. Like, I don't know. Although I will say, I kind of wish this was happening to the Phillies too. Cause I don't like them even more than I don't like the Mets and the Phillies haven't gotten bit by the injury bug yet. And I don't like that. No. And I think, I think the part of the genius of Anthopolis is that he's got these guys locked up for long contracts. You look at the Phillies farm system. It's not great. It's not bad, but it's not great. And so mm-hmm. when guys like Bryce Harper eventually begin their decline, mm-hmm. when JT Romuto is no longer considered the best catcher in baseball mm-hmm. and all of their big ticket free agent guys that they've signed, cause they want to spend money begin to decline they have no depth and they have no backup and nobody's going to want to take on those contracts with that money look at jason hayward he signed mm-hmm. that big fat contract with the cubs and mm-hmm. I, you can't tell me they weren't trying to ship him somewhere for some sort of value to get that contract off the books and they couldn't mm-hmm. dude got df8 because there were yeah. no other options can and, you believe that he's he's with the dodgers now i bet he's gonna be good now I know, dude. It's the juju. It's it's the mojo. It's the juju, the voodoo, whatever you want to call it. And it's it's going to be heartbreaking because we're going to play them in the NLCS, and we're going to have a situation where Jason Hayward comes up to pinch hit in the top or the bottom of the ninth and does something really stupid to Braves country, and we're all going to lament it, and we're going to go, Jason Hayward could have been our perpetual right fielder. Oh, um, yeah. Especially but, as Eddie Rosario is going like oh for twelve in yeah. the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay, though, because we've got other guys that are going to replace him. We do. Well, I mean, we replaced him with Acuna, so, you know, there is that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a mess. But here's what's going to happen with the Mets. Are you ready for this? Him. They have so much money guaranteed to so many of these players that we're going to see Bobby Bonilla on an exponential hmm. scale. There's no other <laughs> way around it. Yeah. Because these guys can't – Not all of these guys can't perform to the level of these contracts. Mm-hmm. And 
they're going to be perpetually middle of the road, second, third in the division, maybe make a wild card and everything is up to a wild card series where, I mean, mm-hmm. we saw anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to have $400 million that you're going to have to f- figure out how to move around mm-hmm. and how to navigate with players that, um, I mean, Lindor's not a young guy mm-hmm. and he's locked up for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, this and this is why. Have you watched? By the way, have you watched Dansby Swanson spring training? Doesn't look good. I'll tell you that. I think we dodged a bullet there, and that's not my that's not my Swanson bias coming out. Mm-hmm. That is my ooh, yikes. Yeah, that's not great. You know, kid, everything loyal should have stuck around, or <laughs> whatever his brand was. All things loyal. Is that it? Yeah, it is. And honestly, it's hilarious because I still drive through the Atlanta area and it's uh-huh. nothing but Dansby Swanson, uh, LGE Community Credit Union billboards uh-huh. that talks about loyalty. And I'm like, man, this did not age well at <laughs> all. Oh, man. Well, you know what? All things loyal to the Cubs. You know what? They can have him. If he's going to produce like that all year for whatever it was that he signed for that was just ridiculous. Um, they can have him. Maybe More it was part of like, like a, maybe it's part of like a stealth tank where the Cubs are like, Hey, let's go get Dansby Swanson and Cody Ballinger. And we're going to tell everyone, look at us. We're spending money. We're going to be good. And in reality, they're like, Look at us. We're getting guys that are going to struggle to hit, and we're going to be one of the worst teams, and we're going to get a good pick, but the fans aren't going to realize it till it's too late. It's a mess. All right. We're going we're gonna to make the shift, and we're going to finish up today with a little world baseball classic. Eric, uh, before we start going pool by pool, uh, first impressions uh, since we've last talked about it. Um. Well, Japan looks like they're going to win, and Venezuela looks – exactly the way I hoped they would look. And I'm really excited because the teams that I wanted to look good have looked really good. And Puerto Rico is still alive. I agree. Puerto Rico is still alive. I, honestly, my only time, I am so disappointed with the Dominican Republic team. I know they didn't look so good. I'm so disappointed. I mean, the, the hype coming in the lineup, the pitching and the, um, but jumping into pool a, Eric, mm-hmm. Cuba, right in the top. Yeah, Cuba, they, they over, I, I think they, eventually the cream rises to the top. And I think with Cuba, like, they've got enough baseball players that, because that group was all over the place. You've got, like, wasn't Italy or is, no, Israel was in the Dominican Republic pool. It was Italy that was right. out there. But like Cuba, a- Italy, Netherlands, Panama, and Taiwan. Okay. Like all of those guys are Chinese Taipei. Yeah. All of those guys are like solid, but like nobody was like a very clear favorite in that group. And I think at the end of the day, Cuba has the most baseball talent. And so at least in that region. So it yeah. made sense that they got there, but like Netherlands has enough like real talent that they could beat you, but not enough proven talent that you were going to be afraid of them. And I think, I think that's kind of the bummer is like, it would have been nice to have seen the Netherlands still playing, but Hey, good for Italy or Australia or whoever. I don't know that that group is weird. 
it was a weird group. Italy came out of the gates really hot. Um, and man, they just cratered. They tanked mm. after that. But yeah, Cuba rising to the top um, and doing the most after a slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're um, they're running. I probably I mean, any team that's in the in the baseball or the real baseball countries, you can imagine is going to rise. But um, mm-hmm. man, I was I was pretty disappointed by the Netherlands. I'm not going to lie. I didn't have huge expectations, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I had high, high hopes. Um, Pool B, Japan is undefeated. Mm-hmm. And I have no, I don't foresee them. I don't foresee them running into trouble until the finals. Like Japan is loaded. Yeah, they're well, they're loaded and they're performing to expectations. Looking at mm-hmm. you, Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they look really, really good. It does help that you got Shohei where you're like, oh, we need a pitcher. Oh, Shohei's really good. Oh, we need, hey, a, we need a hitter. Oh, there he is. <laughs> like, come on, man. How are we supposed to compete with this stuff? I I don't know. That's their job to figure it out, not ours. We just get mm-hmm. to watch and enjoy. Um, yeah. yeah, Japan Japan looks real good. And uh, Australia went three and one. Mm-hmm. That was, Aussies, that was surprising they, to me. They brought their A game. They did. They brought their AUS game. Um, <laughs> a look at that. Um, pool C, Mexico and US tied for first at three and one. I think, I mean, Mexico still seems like the better team in that. No, that's not true. Net, Mexico played like the better team in that group. And I think USA kind of figured out what need what was needed. I think the t- issue that I've seen with the USA is they're kind of like too cool for this because all of the guys on their team are established stars. And a lot of times established stars don't realize they have to go until like it, their, their backs are against the wall. And I think that's what happened with the U S is they beat great Britain. Duh. They're supposed to, but then it was like, all right, I guess we'll start playing. And then they got their butt kicked by Mexico and it's like, oh, shoot, like we could get bounced from this if we don't figure this out. And they figured it out. And that's what you expect. Yeah, and like I, Mike Trout had the a really good second half of the of the tournament. And it's like, well, yeah, you're supposed to do that. That's why you're here. I think the worst thing that could have happened to the USA team is the news about Edwin Diaz getting injured. Mm. Because That's now every single one of them is going to see that and go, well, I don't want to mess with my money. I don't want to mess with my legacy. I mean, World Baseball Classic is great, but I got a 162 game season paying mm-hmm. paying my bills like, you mm-hmm. know, and I think they're going to they're going to play halfway and I think they're going to get rocked because they just don't care, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. It, it kind of stinks that we're like the only country that is not bought in and really trying to own this competition for the way it is. I mean, when you watch like soccer, I mean, you Mm -hmm. look at FIFA and, and world cup stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. every country is just fully torqued Mm -hmm. and these guys are proud of it. And then you get to the world baseball classic and everybody's ready to roll except the USA. Mm -hmm. Um, But I could have told you that whenever, when a few of the guys were backing out last minute and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, and then finally, moving on to Pool D, 
Venezuela coming in hot with that big stick energy, baby. <laughs> yeah, they've been really, really good. Um, I think with Venezuela, they just have so much offensive talent that it's very it makes sense that they're this good. Like they have a balanced attack teams. They've got guys that can hit. They've got guys that hit for power, guys that can get on base, guys that do all the little things. It's like, yeah. And they play good defense. Like it makes sense that they're doing what they did. And there's pride behind that. Like there's like, Hey, I think this is what I see with the Dominican Republic and why I think that they struggled in the ways that they did. They've got talent, but it's, almost too much top level talent. Sometimes I think in a tournament like this, you need a guy who feels like an underdog to hit their potential. You're telling me that those guys on in Venezuela aren't good enough to live up to the same standards as the, as the Dominican Republic. No, they're just as good, but they don't have the star talent that the Dominican Republic team has. And so they come in as kind of an underdog, like, oh, you don't think we can do it? Watch. And they've got proud guys over there. Jose Altuve is a proven winner. I mean, he may need a trash can to do it, but he's done it. Um, <laughs> I'm never going to let that go. I'm no, never going to let that go. You um, shouldn't. I mean, even Ronald Acuna struggled for most of that tournament. He still got on base a ton and scored whenever he could because that's the thing he does better than... I think I think we're going to go into this later. I'm not going to do this right now. But he's he knows how to win games. And you've got other guys. I mean, Salvador Perez, he's got a World Series. Like, they've got guys that know how to win. And I'm not surprised that they are doing what they need. Plus, you've got a leader. You've got multiple leaders. They've got guys that you're like, oh, yeah, Miguel Cabrera knows how to do this. I'm going to do what he does because he's, uh, he's a legend in this game. So... I'm excited for them. I think they're really good. And I think they're probably who I would expect the most from left in the bracket. So looking at the bracket now, the winner of today's, I think it's today's Puerto Rico and Mexico game plays Japan. Mm -hmm. And then the winner of tomorrow's Venezuela USA team or USA game plays Cuba. Okay. Um, how do you see the bracket going and who wins? I think that I think Mexico beats Puerto Rico. And then I think ooh, I can't wait to watch that game. That game's going to be amazing. I think Venezuela beats USA. And then Japan beats Venezuela. Well, so it's cute. So you think Venezuela beats Cuba to get into the championship? And yes, Japan beats Mexico. It's Mexico, yes. Venezuela. Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I'm not looking You're good. at You're this visualizing not, the bracket. Yeah. We're not visualizing, but yeah, I think that's how it plays out. I think, I think Japan and Venezuela are the two best teams, and Japan is going to win that series or win the tournament. So but, I have a thought. Yes. And I may be silly for saying this, but I, mm -hmm. I think I think you're right. I, I think Venezuela beats the USA team. I think Venezuela beats Cuba to get in. I think Mexico beats Puerto Rico 
Um, I think it's close, but I think Japan beats Mexico. Mm -hmm. We've got Japan and Venezuela. Mm -hmm. The championship is in Miami. Mm, that is good. And mm. I have to wonder if enough Venezuelan nationals and or fans are going to fill that stadium enough to actually impact that game. That would be really cool. That would be really interesting. Uh, um, I yeah. actually, I think I, I like Venezuela over Japan. I think, I think the difference is while Japan has great talent, I think Venezuela's got some swagger mm. and they've got some edge. They play mm. with edge. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's going to make the difference. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. They're like, really, I mean, even, okay, even the teams that we just glossed over, Mexico has some really good talent. And like Julio Urias, when he is pitching like he can, he can shut down any one of these teams. Like none of these teams are too good where it's like, oh, yeah, you can't handle those guys. Um, the USA, if Mike Trout continues to hit and Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Trey Turner are hitting. Like, did you see the game against Canada? Yeah. Like, that was a that thrashing. poor kid. Then they get mercy kid. ruled. They got mercy ruled. They did. Yeah. But, like, the kid, he gives up. I mean, he, I don't know how many innings or how many runs he gave up, but like, you could tell he's like, um, coach, are you sure that you want me to do this? Like, I, I need an so adult. Bad. <laughs> I felt so bad. I mean, he's like 19 and he's going up against Mike Trout and like other like proven, like established major leaguers. Like, that sucks. And they just kind of made him look like a 19 year old. Like, oh man. Yeah, what it's rough. Do? It's rough. Yeah, I mean, rough. but it's, I mean, the other thing that I think is cool is like you're seeing these like young guys who've never been given the chance to like hit, like, or like prove themselves against major league guys and shine. Like the kid from, I think it was Cuba or Panama or whatever, Nicaragua that um struck out the three guys on the Dominican Republic like how awesome is that and yeah, then the scout gave him it. a contract it's like there we go like that's awesome like i think that's just so cool like if you can go out there and show your stuff and then beat somebody or like pedro gomez's kid look good for colombia like that's awesome like i think it's cool to see guys like that you don't expect much from showing out and like yeah i belong here like Watch me in a couple years. I'll be back. I know I we're probably not at that point yet, but mm. I would love to watch the World Baseball Classic expand and become a slightly larger tournament. Okay. So have more opportunities like mm -hmm. that for guys, mm -hmm. you know, from Nicaragua who have that talent and that potential to get seen by the major league clubs. Or, I mean, look, J Japan has got a robust league. I mean, slightly different rules and structure and stuff but i mean mm -hmm. you know japan's probably always looking for guys i mean you know mm -hmm. and it, it, i think it, it's better for the sport i think it's better for the economy of the sport um but we'll see um i got venezuela you've got japan mm -hmm. i'll take All japan right. we'll have to see how this goes after tuesday also you saw the guy drinking a beer out of a boot right that was dude or not a boot it was like a, a, it, was a, a regular, it was a nike it yeah. was a Nike shoe. 
Oh man. That dude's shoe is always going to smell like cheap beer now. And I just, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a sneaker head, but man, I just, there's something really wrong about that to me. And also kind of gross. Yeah. I just, I, I don't think I'd ever be drunk enough to be able to do that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting here like, huh, what do I need to do to make an excuse for me to have to try that? Just because I think it'd be funny and I think it'd be an interesting experience. No, but that guy just, you know, he got his 15 minutes of fame. He's probably a TikTok now and mm-hmm. more power to him. <laughs> so you're saying that if Japan wins the World Baseball Classic, I'm not going to be able to get you to drink a beer out of a shoe. I'm not saying I won't. Hmm. So we'll see. We'll have to talk. We'll have to talk offline right. and figure it out. Because there will be ha- <laughs> there will have to be video. So we'll have to have at least a- <laughs> not a Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, I think that would be fun. I think that would be fun. Ugh, but I'm not throwing it in a Jordan. We're not doing that. It's no. going in a cheap ass shoe. I'm sorry. Words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't You're know. Not wrong. A- You're not wrong. We've been a clean podcast this whole time. I don't know what the rules are. Well, you know what? Whose line is it anyway? Points don't matter, and there are no rules. So, oh, anyway, looking forward to catching up next week as we dive into more spring training action. Uh, we'll talk about demotions, promotions, uh, the upcoming season, and who 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 knows what else? Who knows? It's always a it's always a crapshoot. Anyways, uh, Eric, be safe. Enjoy your journey and your trip to Italy. Those poor losers. Um, you know, if they oh, would have just made it, if they would have just made it in the World Baseball Classic, they would have been fine. Enjoy your trip. Thank but you. For Eric, I'm Kellen. Y'all take it easy, and we'll catch you later. See ya.